When we are young, we feel as if nothing could harm us, and so we push the limits of society to break the walls of mundanity that surround us. Some find small ways to rebel against the status quo by momentarily inconveniencing and aggravating unsuspecting citizens. Though the majority of these stunts are performed by adolescents, harmlessly venting pent-up feelings, we don't put into consideration the emotions or mental state of the unwitting victims. We foolishly underestimate the rage and fury that boils just below the surface of a terrifyingly large amount of the public. Who will be the one to set them off? And how far will they go to satisfy their need for merciless vengeance? It was the year 2000, in Tustin, California, where Oscar and Patrick, two students in junior high, were walking home from another friend's house on a dark Friday night. They were only 14, but at the time the area they were in was considered benign, generally safer than most others. The boys were walking to Patrick's house, as they had arranged a sleepover with their parents. As the pair took the short journey to Patrick's home, they discussed the possible activities for the night, making sure mischief made its way onto the list. When they arrived at the two-story townhouse, they were pleasantly surprised by the fact that Patrick's mother was leaving. She had been called into work, and would be there till early in the morning. This gave the boys freedom to do almost whatever they wanted. After a stern warning to be good, the mother headed out, leaving the two young conspirators to plot their next move. Following a short moment of silence, Patrick turned to Oscar with a diabolical smile and said, I have an awesome idea. Follow me. Oscar shrugged his shoulders and followed his friend upstairs into Patrick's room. He stood there while Patrick opened his mirrored sliding closet door and began frantically digging for something. Finally, he emerged from the pile of miscellaneous junk with a toy stuffed cat. Oscar stared at Patrick, off-put and confused. What are we going to do with that? Patrick chuckled, then told Oscar about the prank that his older cousin had taught him. First, they glued the fake feline to a small piece of cardboard. Second, they tied a fishing line to the side where the head was located. And lastly, they glued quarters over the eyes. The wild pair would then place the toy just after a stop sign, in a bush, cross the two-lane road in front of his house, while they were in the bushes on the other side of the road, at the other end of the fishing line. They would put it a few feet after the stop sign, so that people were crawling from a complete halt when they put their plan into action because they didn't want to cause any car accidents. The goal was to wait for a car to stop at the sign, and just as they were accelerating, pull the faux kitten into the street as fast as possible. When the glow from the car's headlights hit the quarters, it would give the illusion of a live cat sprinting in front of their car, causing them to slam on the brakes. Before they could check what had happened... The boys would then drag the toy across the blacktop and into the hollow hedge where they were secreted away. It was around 10.30 at night when the boys enacted their seemingly tame scheme. Following a couple test runs, Oscar replaced the dummy cat across the small street while Patrick repaired the fishing line once again. When those were back in place, 
the boys took their positions inside the cavity, long, empty hedge. They waited for what felt like an eternity to a teenager, until finally, a car turned the corner onto the street where their trap awaited. As it got closer, they could see, through the branches and leaves, it was a small, blue four-door car with two people inside. The vehicle slowly came to a stop when Oscar noticed the pair in the sedan were in the middle of an intense conversation. Just as they began to move forward, the camouflage pair pulled the string as quickly as possible, and the counterfeit kitten came flying out of the shrubbery and onto the blacktop. The shine from the front headlights beamed off the quarters perfectly, and the driver hit the brakes. The boys finished pulling the faux cat into the hedge while laughing hysterically. It had worked just as they had hoped. They looked up to the couple in the car to see them having their own crack up about the situation. The boys were unsure if the victims could tell if it was fake or not, but didn't care as it was the funniest thing they had ever done at the moment. The car pulled away and they reset the trap for the next one. This went on for hours and each time they got the same reaction. The individuals in the dozen or so vehicles they were able to trick with the little hoax appeared to be thoroughly entertained. At this point, they realized people could tell just how fake the whole thing was. This changed nothing, as they replaced everything for one more go, before heading inside for a late-night dinner. This was the longest wait yet. However, they refused to give up until they got one more vehicle. The night was silent and still, as not even the wind was blowing to rustle the leaves. They sat crouched in their hideout, and the silence was broken at last. The rumble of a large truck could be heard in the not-too-far distance. It slowly grew louder, until coming to a thunderous growl as it turned the corner onto the road. It was a large, black-lifted truck. The reverberations off the engine and exhaust shook not only the windows of the townhouses around them, but felt as if it was vibrating their skulls. Oscar tried to look in the window but could see nothing as they were obscured with dark tint. The juggernaut of a truck crawled up to the stop sign and came to a short rest. Patrick and Oscar looked at each other, attempting to hold in their laughter when the engine let out a cacophonous wail began to accelerate out of the stop with great force. The boys then heaved on the line, and the cardboard riding toy flew out in front of the monstrous truck. The sound of its locked tires skipping across the asphalt screeched into the air, piercing their ears, causing them to lose focus for just a second. When they continued to pull on the line, they realized it was stuck on a branch of the hedge. They couldn't move it any further, and it lay directly in front of the lifted truck's headlights. Suddenly, the driver's side door swung open, with the bright glow behind them. The boys could only make out that the driver was a tall, large man. While the low coarse growl of the engine resounded around him, he walked over to the counterfeit feline, picked it up, noticing the fishing line then began to slowly wind it around the toy and cardboard until it was pulled tight. The boys were scared, but still thought it was a little funny, glancing at each other and holding in their chuckles. Suddenly, the man wrenched on the line, breaking off the branch and pulling the remaining line from Patrick's hands. 
out onto the street. Boys were shocked into a fearful silence. They were both hit with a sharp jolt of alarm when the man threw down the toy, reached behind his back, pulled out a large knife, and began charging the hedge, screaming, I'm gonna cut you little bastards. Oscar then felt Patrick on his shoulder and turned to see him already in a crouched sprint down the passage of the hollow bush. He followed the best he could as he was quite a bit taller than his fellow prey. They then heard the man right behind them outside the bush screaming again, where are you? Oscar looked back to see the knife clenched in the man's hand sticking through the hedge right where his head was. Adrenaline then coursed through him as he squatted lower and somehow gained speed, even pushing Patrick to move faster. The man then began sidestepping while continuously stabbing into the hedge in a blind fury. I'm gonna teach you a lesson. Oscar could hear the psychotic man's arm plunging through the branches just behind him. While he kept pushing Patrick, they then came to a point in the hedge where it turned left and ended after only a few feet. Oscar slammed himself into Patrick and squeezed him into the tiny space. With their faces so close, Oscar could see Patrick giving him a look, questioning what he was doing, when the knife-wielding arm came thrusting towards them. Where the hell are you? Now aware of the severity of their situation, Patrick pulled Oscar closer into the small cavity. The two held their breath in hopes he wouldn't hear them. Oscar felt the intensity of his heart shake his entire body with every beat. The man then continued his mindless rampage, stabbing into the bush, but heading back towards where they had been. All they could hear now was indecipherable screaming from the man, the low rumble of his parked monstrosity. As he moved further away from them, the boys took the opportunity to quietly crawl on their stomachs out the backside of the empty hedge and hide behind a close-by wall. When they were able to stand, Oscar was finally able to focus and noticed the cuts all over their arms, stomachs, and faces. In the rush to safety, they were torn up by the plant. Hearing the man still frantically screaming and wildly slashing at the bush, the two peeked out from behind their wall of refuge. Without notice, the man just stopped, took four quick, deep breaths, and turned back towards his truck. I think he's leaving, Oscar whispered. The petrified pair then leaned back behind the wall and listened for his hopeful departure. They could hear him angrily mumble to himself, climb into his rolling fortress, and shut the door. Next, they heard the window roll down and the deranged driver yell, I'm gonna find you and make you scream. After that, the sound of the roaring engine and the screech of his mud tires bellowed all around them. As the shock and adrenaline began to subside, the boys came to understand exactly how dire their situation was. They both examined their now scratched, bruised, and bleeding bodies until looking at each other and laughing almost uncontrollably. They took a moment to collect themselves, then cautiously walked back towards the street. When they got to the edge of the curb, 
they could see the lunatic had ripped the hat off the toy stuffed cat and ran over it as he left. Deciding that was enough trouble for one night, the two picked up what remained of their prank and headed inside Patrick's home. While standing in the kitchen discussing their near-death experience, a loud engine from the lifted truck was heard back on the street. They both walked over to a window and spyfully peeked out to see the unhinged man slowly idling down the road. He was back, and still looking for them. After cruising up and down the street a few times, the truck disappeared around the corner, but Oscar felt he would return, so he kept watch. Just like that, a moment later the man came walking around the corner, knife still in hand. As he made his way up and down the sidewalk looking for any clue to where his prey might be, the boys got a better look at him. He was substantially well built, wearing a skin-tight sleeveless hoodie with a hood pulled up obscuring his face and black Dickies pants. The boys watched fearfully. As the psychotic man stalked the quiet street for over an hour until he finally walked back around the corner and disappeared. Luckily, the teenagers never saw the knife-wielding stranger or his truck ever again. But neither of them will ever forget that night and how close they came to a nightmarish ending. Pranks and tricks are a crucial part of the adolescent experience because they teach us to cut loose every once in a while. Most people understand this and support the harmless release of suppressed emotions. But of course, as Oscar and Patrick learn the hard way, there are some that simply don't care about the affairs of others. And even though the pranks are basically harmless, they only see someone who is wronging them that must be punished. These ticking time bombs wade through existence, hoping to someday prove that they were the wrong person to mess with. In 2014, in Little Rock, Arkansas, a group of young teenagers decided to get back at someone who had pranked them by driving to their home and covering their vehicle in toilet paper, mayonnaise, and eggs. 48-year-old Willie Noble saw this happening, exited his home, and opened fire on the teens. One of the youths was shot in the arm while fleeing, but survived. Adrian Broadway was not so lucky, as he was shot in the head and died on scene. Noble is serving 30 years for the senseless murder. The game of Ding Dong Ditch turned deadly in 2003, when Florida resident Jay Levin claims to have mistook 16-year-old prankster Mark Drews for an armed intruder. After ringing the bell, Drews turned and began to walk away, where Levin threw open the door and shot the young boy to death. Sadly, Levin only spent three and a half months in jail, but was ordered to pay $750,000 in restitution to the family, as if the money could replace the loss of their young child. West Virginia, B.D. Gillespie, a state trooper, had a horrifically exaggerated response to wet clothes in 2014. One of three teen boys walking home 
had thrown wet clothing onto his cruiser while it was parked in his driveway. Gillespie felt he had to teach him a lesson. Later that night, while on duty, the trooper tracked down the teens and instructed two of them to leave while he questioned the last boy, 18-year-old Timothy Hill. According to Gillespie, there was a struggle where young Timothy was pepper sprayed and beaten with a baton while supposedly reaching for the trooper's gun until Gillespie ultimately shot Hill once in the chest and once in the head. A tragic end to an easily resolvable situation. In 2006, three boys were egging cars in Columbus, Ohio when they hit a car with Michael Gross and his son inside. Gross got out to chase the kids, but stopped when his son opened fire on them, killing 14-year-old Danny Crawford. Gross's claim there was another shooter, until four years later, when Michael turned on his son for immunity. Gross Jr. is now serving 15 years for his violent act of revenge. Because of the rising stresses laid upon the youth of today, we know that pranks and practical jokes will continue to be a large part of growing up. But with that, we must accept that every time someone decides to trick a stranger, or even cause them a mild inconvenience, they put their own life in danger, as you never know how any one person is going to react to what you perceive as an innocent joke. We cannot, or choose not, to see the chaotic storm of savage hatred and turbulent madness that brews beneath the seemingly calm, ordinary faces we see every day. They walk in plain sight, camouflaged by their routine, until difficulty or disruption frees the wrathful beast from below. Will you be the one to release the mad demon? And will you live to tell us the tale?